You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, your source for all the Baltimore Ravens news and information. Now ice up, hon. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen, the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, episode number three. We got your hosts, Kyle Barber. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? And Matthew Stevens on this lovely, lovely, hot-as-hell Thursday uh, evening. All right, Kyle. Let's talk a little bit about our sponsor. Perfect. I actually have it right here. Rally Bus is offering luxury buses to and from the Baltimore Ravens games. If you use the promo code RavensRally10, you get $10 off of your booking. That promo code is RavensRally10, R-A-V-E-N-S-R-A-L-L-Y-1-0. Ride happy, ride smart, rally bus. All right, Kyle. Dipping right in, I just want to mention to everyone, I see RavensFan1995 asked, uh, are we going to camp? Uh, You know... What, what what did you do today, Kyle? Me, I personally, I went to the bank. I paid some bills. I cashed my cashed my check from work. Um, I listened to a new song on the radio when I was driving to the bank. But nice. that's about all I've done. What did you do today? I went to camp. Ah, you did. Ah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a blast, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on and what I saw today at camp. Uh, but yeah, good times, man. Did go to camp. The Baltimore Beatdown Podcast is at the camp. It's all exciting news, but we're going to something else first. Last week, Steelers' Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, his contract is now extended to 2018. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? You know, Kyle, we talked a little bit about this before uh, the podcast, but I think it's a good move. You know, I'm not a Steelers fan. Uh, I, I can't even pretend to be a Steelers fan. Better not be. But it, it's a good move. The guy's a winning coach. He's done well with that team. Uh, you, you certainly don't want to have that turnover. But I think the bigger question ends up being, what do the Ravens do with John Harbaugh, given that his AFC North opponent and rival in Mike Tomlin now has a longer contract than he does? Hmm. All right. He did get extended last year around March for another season. His contract now runs through 2017. We do know that. Personally, I'm going to ride out this season. I'm not giving him a contract until next year. And I know, excuse me, that with this team being so highly volatile in aspects of winning and possibly another Super Bowl run is what we're expecting this year, which we will also talk about later on in the show. I'm not signing him until next year because with a team as loaded as this is, you want to see what he can do with it. And I want to know whether or not with a team as as dominant as we are expecting, can he get the job done? You know, and that's a good point. I mean, but I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Kyle, because just like any player, uh, I mean, the Ravens are trying to extend guys like Justin Tucker and Marshall Yonda. You kind of have to look at a head coach the very same way. You want to extend that guy before it becomes too pricey. And 
you know, imagine if the Ravens were to win the Super Bowl this year, and, and we're all hoping, but imagine if the Ravens were in the Super Bowl this year, and then you try to extend John Harbaugh, it, it's it's going to skyrocket the price. So you lock him in early, you try to go ahead and get the deal done, and he's been one of the most winningest coaches in the NFL. Uh, he's kind of, he's earned that right to get another contract and to get, maybe get a bigger deal, uh, a longer-term deal for this team. So... I, I don't know. I, I think you could play it out and wait until the end of the year, but just like it did with Joe Flacco, that could bite you in the ass. And I, th- I think the big picture that I'm seeing is Bashadi isn't worried about paying him some extra money, especially if he brings a third Lombardi trophy to Baltimore. He'd be happy, I would I would assume, to give him some extra dough. Obviously, this isn't, you know, he he doesn't love handing out millions and millions, but... I don't think he would be against handing out some extra money on top of this when he does, or if he does, win a, another Super Bowl trophy. That's my opinion on it. I think I think it's okay to let this play out one more year. This is more of a contract year, like a player always seems to get, and that's what you want to do. You want to see if he can actually do it with the pressure, with... Hey, you have a loaded team. You have a great franchise quarterback. You got a good run game. You got a good O line. Your defense looks really stellar. I think you got to let him play this one out. I understand where you're definitely coming from. Lock the guy up. Get the guy his money. Sign him now before all of a sudden he skyrockets and then he wants too much money. But I don't think that's going to be a problem with Bashadi, Newsom, and Harba. They don't seem to ever get in any true conflict. They work like a well oiled machine. I believe they're going to stick through it. I don't think he'll give them another contract, especially if they just gave him one more year, only to do it immediately again. Uh, you know, I, I can see that argument happening, and, and you're right. I mean, I, I'm sure Bashadi would love to pay for a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I think most of us, if we had billions of dollars, would go, here's an extra few million, let's bring home that trophy, uh, if it was a lock. So, you know, it, it's tough. Um I, I will say that Ravens for life here, Tomlin is worse than Joffrey, and Tomlin is worse than Joe Buck. You are absolutely right, and I hate both of them. Joe Buck and Joffrey, it's a toss-up which one's worse. All right, Kyle. Well, since we just got done talking about the Steelers' Mike Tomlin, what are your thoughts on Josh Freeman and Michael Vick? Both of them are out there on the market, and currently the Ravens have Matt, uh, or Matty Bo Schaub, as we like to call him here. Uh, but Matt Schaub, former quarterback of the Houston Texans, he's now in town backing up quarterback Joe Flacco. Uh, do you think the Ravens should go out there and maybe buy some competition for uh, for Schaub? If you haven't listened to previous podcasts, folks, you're going to hear the same exact thing that I've been <laughs> saying for about a month now. Matt Schaub and... Matt can back this up 100%. He's even been to camp. He's been watching. Matt Schaub is not a good quarterback. Something happened. Something happened when the Ravens started off his five straight games of giving away a interception for a touchdown. A pick six is the statement. He gave five straight games an interception for a touchdown. And he has caught the yips ever since. He hasn't been the same. There's a serious problem. And he is not a good quarterback anymore. It's unfortunate, but you gotta go with Michael Vick. You gotta go with Michael Vick. He is a mobile quarterback. 
He could help the defense learn a different strategy. I've said it before. Tyrod Taylor was in that, in that instance when we ended up facing the Super Bowl opponent of the San Francisco 49ers when they had Colin Kaepernick fresh off of his rookie outing. It wasn't his rookie year, but it was rookie outing as a starting quarterback. you got to go with Michael Vick. That's the answer for me. Get Matt Schaub out of Baltimore, please, before it infects Joe Flacco. I see, and, and this is where I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Kyle. I, I, I'm not a big fan of Matt Schaub, and, and you're completely right. I've seen him in camp. I've seen him during OTAs. You're completely right. He does have a case of the yips. But this isn't a guy that you're expecting to start, and Joe Flacco's never missed a game. Hell, he's barely missed snaps. So you're really getting Schaub for just his veteran leadership more than anything else um, and, and for his ability to maybe help teach Flacco, a little bit of that offense, and and uh, you know that was the case in Houston, and Ravens are still trying to kind of transition into that a little bit in the uh, second year here. So, uh, you know, he's not going to be expected to start any games, and if he is, you're hoping that maybe he can go ahead and pass the ball, you know, underneath a little bit uh, for a game or two until Flacco can get back. He can hand the ball off, but he he's not the guy that's going to you know march you into the Super Bowl. Michael Vick, on the other hand, though, is older, and he's also more mobile, which is a bad thing in this instance. You want the same type of offense, so that way if Flacco does go down for a game, you don't have to change up your game plan. You don't have to uh, take down what you do normally on a week-to-week basis and try to go ahead and beat a team like Seattle or something like that with a backup quarterback with a completely different offensive scheme that nobody's used to you keep the same type of guy there, and you hope that maybe he works through it. And you know, hopefully we see that this year in uh, in training camp. But I, I don't really think that uh, Michael Vick's the answer. I don't think Josh Freeman's the answer. Um, though Do you I think Matt Schaub is the answer. I think he's the best available answer. Ooh, I'm still against. You talked about veteran leadership. Michael Vick has more than enough veteran leadership, especially since he grew up. After his incidents with dogfighting that we all know of, he became mature, and he's a great person to be around in camp now. He's not the star-studded $100 million contract quarterback he used to be. He's an honest person. He's recuperated from his problems, from his debt. He's paid off all of his debt. He's a responsible individual, and I feel he'd be good. And if Joe Flacco goes down, our ship is already tanked. Like, there's no doubt about it. I don't want Matt Schaub in there. Matt Schaub would give us the number one pick. I know that. Because he would be giving up pick sixes every game. But I would like to have Michael Vick in there, not because of him being able to lead us to a Super Bowl. I know Matt Schaub couldn't do that either. But because of his responsibility, his veteran leadership, and the way he plays could give us a strategy or a better strategy around around uh, Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, who we will face this year. That's what I'm expecting, and I know we're taking up more time than we initially agreed on this, but I really have a good feeling about that. I really do. I'm going to disagree with you just simply because Michael Vick isn't in camp with anyone right now. There's a reason for that. But let's let's push on from that because we could sit here and talk about Michael Vick, uh, yay or nay, all damn day long. I could. I could. Thank you. You have to cut me off on that. Cause I can <laughs> All right. This is the serious part of the news. Sal Palantonio posted 
earlier this week about Steve Bashotti denying rumors that the Ravens were pressuring Roger Goodell to keep the punishment on Tom Brady and the Patriots. The original rumor was that a few teams in the AFC were looking to have Roger Goodell hold the Patriots and Brady responsible because they've been getting away with murder for years and they finally have it coming back to them. If the Ravens were involved initially in reporting the deflated balls, it could be retaliation from Brady's comment, read the rule book. Matt, what's your thoughts on this? I I think the first thoughts are, as a journalist myself, um, and I can barely say that with the straightest of faces, as a journalist myself, we don't ever talk in absolutes unless there's a quote to go behind it, unless there's a source. So Sal Palantonio eventually came back and kind of went, whoops, guys, that was I was just saying, like, it could be a thing. Like, maybe it would make sense. That's not what he said the first time around. Um, and I don't think he had a source. I don't think you backtrack on that type of stuff unless you don't have a source. Uh, I think he said something, was hoping that maybe it didn't get uh, carried over, and because it's about the Patriots, because it's about Tom Brady, it got picked up by every single news organization in the world, and everyone started pointing the fingers at the Ravens. Uh, Rightfully, wrongfully, doesn't matter. Um, Again, as a journalist, I think you keep your mouth shut, or you say, it makes sense if... Bishotti was the one that kind of is pressuring Goodell to go ahead and do it because of X, Y, and Z. And it, it does legitimately make sense, but that's why you say it makes sense if. So it's just bad journalism. It's a bad look, uh, and I would not be surprised if Palantonio gets himself in trouble uh, with this at ESPN because uh, you, you can't keep having that stuff happen. And uh, apparently from, from what we've heard from other commenters, uh, he is not exactly the best at breaking news uh, and being able to hold on to it. So, you know, when it comes to that, that's that's what I think about that one, Kyle. How about you? I First off, I'm upset that Sal would do something like this. He's known to be a decent journalist. He's never been really out there as far as that. He's not given multiple souses like Chris Broussard does. He, It's... Foolish for a person to do that, to just call out owners of the NFL and say, hey, yeah, they're pressuring him. And then when it does get picked up and he's completely wrong and he straight up lied, he then came clean, which I was impressed about. He actually said, yeah, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. He gave a cop-out answer, but he at least said sorry because he was incorrect. But you don't get to do that. You don't get to just fling enough at the wall and hope that something sticks. And then when it does stick, you got to have something correct. You have to be right when you're posting stuff, whether it be a tweet, whether it be an article, whether ESPN has it up. It doesn't matter. you got to have this correct. Second off, since we're actually on this Brady and Roger Goodell part, um, my quick answer is the punishment should stick. And he did something wrong. He should finally punish it. But I'm okay with the NFLPA fighting back because these are players in a short career span. You and I have done this before. We've gone back and forth. It's already a, what, second appeal now? Is that what this is? Uh, this and is actually going to court now. Yeah, it is now. Yeah, it's now going to court. It's insane. It's long. It's drawn out. Just accept the punishment and stop fighting back so much. You did something wrong. It's all clear that you did something wrong after you just randomly destroyed a cell phone the day of the Todd Wells report. It's all 
it's stupid. I'm frustrated with the story. I think in the last time we discussed this, I explained that to our listeners. It's frustrating. I'm pretty much done with hearing about Brady. I'm sick of hearing about the Patriots. I want to listen to about the Ravens, and I'm really excited about our team this year. That's why really quick opinion on it. I, I, I do want to touch a little bit on it because we got a chance to uh, right. speak with Alan Milstein uh, earlier this week, and sadly I didn't get a chance to cut down that audio for today. But the general synopsis of that was that uh, Milstein, who is a lawyer himself, and uh, he defended uh, Maurice Claret back when uh, Claret was looking to get into the NFL but was facing sanctions from uh, his time in college. I, you know, he, he made it pretty clear that he felt that the punishment was um, uh, overbearing and that he felt that uh, Goodell and the case against the league was going to be strong mainly because of the idea that Goodell was the judge, jury, and executioner. And to kind of argue against that really quick, a lot of people seem to forget that Goodell had nothing to do with the punishment, and that was on purpose. Uh, he actually had Troy Vincent go ahead and lay down that punishment, and then he was the arbitrator uh, when the arbitration eventually happened because we all knew the arbitration was going to happen. Um, the Ted Wells report used specific language that is a burden of proof statement that holds up in the court of law, and then when you go ahead and toss in the cell phone aspect and the idea that Brady had not uh, fully cooperated, you have what you have, which is a four-game suspension. And uh, Mr. Milstein had argued that the punishment is $25,000 per football to the team only, um, which the Patriots got tagged for two uh, two draft picks. I believe it was a fourth-round pick and a first-round pick and a million dollars. Um which would be high in that instance, but again, uh, it, it shouldn't have had any effect on Brady. But the uh, punishment for Brady is more or less for just not helping out at all, which guilty people tend to do. Um, and innocent <laughs> people tend to, you know, hand over their cell phone for, you know, I, I just, I, I'm with you on this one, Kyle. Uh, sadly, and we have to talk about it just because it is the major news story, but I'm so sick and tired of it. And, and I've heard. I've heard Harbaugh get asked the question. I've heard just about everyone get asked this question, and I'm tired of it. Nobody cares anymore. Let it go to court, I guess. Uh, though, honestly, had he just manned up to begin with, and I know that's difficult for, for Tom Brady, but had he just manned up initially said, look, I screwed up, uh, I, I liked him uh, a little bit more squishy, that's my fault. I didn't realize that they were that squishy. That's on me. I take full blame for it. He would have gotten like a game, maybe a game, and it would have just been done and over with. But uh, that's what you get for not giving up your cell phone. And, and my theory on that one is, is maybe he was stepping out in Giselle. But uh, you know. <laughs> but that's just a theory, Sal Palantonio. Um, so let, let's let's just be done with Brady altogether and Amen. let him do whatever he wants to do. Amen. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. But Matt, I'm gonna hand this back off to you. Uh, you know, Kyle, we uh, our sponsors rally bus. Um, and and to get kind of serious here for just a second, um, I had a few years ago, uh, my father-in-law had passed away, um, and he passed away because a drunk driver hit him uh, early in the morning. Uh, shortly before Christmas, he was actually going to work. 
Um, sadly, this is something that happens a little too often. Uh, people drive drunk. People drive, uh, even if they're not drunk, they drive tipsy. And it hurts people. And it hurts uh, a lot of other people than you would ever imagine. Um, so for this kid and for my family at the time, uh, it was a major deal. So Rally Bus is giving us a coupon for $10 off. Um, it's Ravens Rally 10, R-A-V-E-N-S, R-A-L-L-Y, one zero. Uh, and Rally Bus basically gets you to and from games. You can drink on the bus, you can tailgate, you can party, you can have a great time, and you don't have to worry about driving. You and all your friends get to go to the game, get to go to uh, you know any event that they have a bus for, and it's awesome. Uh, so, you know, keep it, keep it safe, keep it happy, enjoy yourself and enjoy rally bus for me, please. Amen, my friend. Amen. Now we're going to get some, we're going to go back to some light news some happy stuff. We're going to talk about the success of the Baltimore Ravens during the 2015, 2016 season, our opinions. And I'm going to start off with mine this time instead of asking Matthew, I am hyped. I'm hyped about this season. It looks great. Our team looks phenomenal. I'm trying to be responsible and not give myself too much hype, and it has been very tough. Matt and I have talked about training camp, which we will be discussing shortly, and we're trying to find reasons why we shouldn't be excited, and we aren't finding them right now. Besides the schedule looking very difficult as we have to play Seattle, San Francisco, St. Louis, Pittsburgh twice, the Denver Broncos, we look great. Our offensive line is either the best or second best in the league, depending on if you have Dallas or Baltimore first. Our running back is still Justin Forsett, who had 5.5 yards per carry. He had over 1,500 yards last year. Joe Flacco was about five passes away from 4,000 yards, and this was when he was cooling it off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and his five touchdowns before half. Yeah. Uh, this team looks great. Our defense looks phenomenal. We lost Haloti Nada, who is not prime Haloti Nada, which everybody remembers. And we already have him refilled with Timmy Jernigan, who was expected to be a first-round pick. He was actually selected in the second by us. It was a steal, in my opinion. We look great. Every hole seems to be filled in our team. We have a healthy Jimmy Smith back. We got Kyle Arrington to cover the slot. Our cornerback depth looks great. We got Will Hill, who is a top 100 player. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, we look poised to have a phenomenal season. We're a 12 and 4 team with a 10 and 6 schedule. Is one of the best comments I've read so far about the Baltimore Ravens this year. And I'm not cooling my my hype anymore. I'm lit. I'm ready. I'm fired up. We're gonna go somewhere this year. I really do believe it. And that's not out of bias. That's because yeah. we've studied this team. We've looked at it. We look phenomenal, and I'm I'm getting excited. I'm trying to contain it, be poised on on the show, on the broadcast. But I can't <laughs> tell you guys, I've been smiling this entire time through this broadcast. Matt and I did talk about it early. We tried to talk about the show just a little bit before we actually go live, make sure everything's clear and cut. And him and I are both very excited. I'm gonna hand it off to him now. But as for me, I'm fired up for Baltimore Raven football in the 2015 season. Yeah, I mean, like Kyle said, we did talk a little bit about this before the uh, podcast just in order to prep up and everything. Um, 
the thing that I said is I, I, this looks like a Super Bowl or bust team. And I know that's something that is difficult, and a lot of people get a little scared when those types of things get thrown around. But looking at this team, it's hard to pick anything apart. I mean, it, as long as they stay healthy, and that's that's been the key, I think, and will be the key this season. If the Ravens are able to stay healthy, if guys are able to go ahead and, and uh, last throughout the entire season, this team has enough depth at all the uh, important spots to where if someone does get a little dinged up, they can go ahead and slide someone else in, or even better yet, rotation. Uh, rotation is something that you see a lot on the defensive line, and you go ahead and it's just a matter of sliding one guy out for sliding another guy in. So that way they don't play as many snaps, uh, and not playing as many snaps lowers their chances of getting hurt and also keeps them fresh. Uh, so going into the playoffs with a fresh team, a team that realistically each player has only played about a half a season, uh, that's something that every team wishes they could have. And again, this is all barring the team being healthy, uh, everyone being able to play out. But this is a team that looks scary good. And from my observations at camp and OTAs, it's a fast team. It's a brutally rough team to run against. It's a brutally rough team to try to stop the run. Um, it, it's it's a scary, scary team, both offensively and defensively, and I would not want to be any opponent of the Ravens. So while they might be a team, and, and your comments, uh, Kyle, that you had read, is they're a 12-4 and four team with a 10-6 and six schedule, um, you know, that, that stands for it, it, they really should win 10-6 and six games. Uh, 10 games, lose 6, but they're going to win 12 uh, and lose 4 simply because they're that good. Um, I, I honestly right. think this is an 11-win team, I, I think, through and through and through, uh, which isn't great. It's not bad. It's enough to get in the playoffs. It's enough to do what they do, and this is a Ravens team that always does well once they get into the playoffs. They turn into a completely different team. So we saw it last season, uh, and that was with a secondary that was putting practice squad members out on the field trying to go ahead and go against the best in the league, uh, and they destroyed the Steelers in the first round, and then just barely lost to the Patriots, despite holding a 14-point lead. Uh, the Colts would have stood no test, even against the, the terrible secondary. Absolutely not. I, it, it's a team that was just a hair short of being in the Super Bowl as it was. Absolutely. If they stay healthy with the additions that they have this year, oh, man. I, I Like you, Kyle, I've been smiling the entire time, and it is difficult to hold back this enthusiasm anymore. And I think as training camp goes on, man, it's just going to be, ooh, God, I'm ready for football. So, speaking Amen, my friend. a little bit about training camp, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what I saw today at training camp. Uh, today was really the first day. Yesterday, a lot of the veterans were coming back, uh, getting a chance to kind of get their stuff, go into meetings, all that good jazz. Um, it, it Really, all we did was take photos and like got to speak to a few players. It was kind of a bummer to be honest. But today was the day when they actually put on the jerseys, the helmets, got out there, were throwing footballs. Um, it was hot today. It was incredibly hot. It was about 90, 91, high humidity, but the fans were out there. And I don't have the number off the top of my head, but uh, the Ravens are running a lottery system in which fans get a chance to come uh, to, to training camp. Um, 
that was awesome, man. There was a boatload of fans braving that heat, and it was hot. Man, that's wonderful. Um, and, and the greatest part was the fact that after practice, uh, the players are all beat up. They're all bruised. They're all tired. They've been running around in that heat. They still stopped and signed a bunch of stuff for those kids. It was awesome to see, man, and it got me pumped up for the team being what they are. But uh, outside of that, the Ravens did kind of show off a new 360-degree camera. And for those that don't know, basically what ends up happening is a lot of the teams will kind of record their practices, but they have to put them up in a giant scissor lift in order to do it. Well, on windy days, that can be dangerous. So the Ravens, unlike a lot of other teams that are using drones and stuff like that, kind of did like this new uh, 360 camera thing where it can be tr- controlled from the ground. That was pretty awesome to see. Uh, I-, I love seeing technology uh, used like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, the big person missing today was Lerdarius Webb. Uh, and we'll, we'll touch on the reason why a little bit, but uh, he was the guy that was really missing. There was one or two other guys. Uh, I believe it was like Nick Easton, uh, who's a lineman, who – you know, no one really should care about, um, at least not right now, you know. Um, the big thing, and I know everyone's been asking us about the wide receivers, they looked good. They looked real good, especially Brashad Perryman. Dude is fast. He talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Bobby Ingram, the wide receivers coach, kind of helping him learn how to get into a proper stance. The dude didn't even know how to get into a proper stance in football. <laughs> And he was already that fast. This so is scary. Learning how wow. to get into the proper stance so that way when the ball snaps, you got that instant right off the line. He, it showed. It showed immediately. He was just killing it today. Uh, he had some of the best catches of the day. Uh, a few of them were, were deep balls in which he just leapt up, caught them, landed. Uh, sadly, he did end up kind of going out toward the end of training camp. Uh, apparently dinged up his knee a little bit. Coach Harbaugh said it's nothing serious. He might even be back tomorrow. Um, they're just going to kind of let him as he's feeling comfortable to getting back. Uh, but he walked off without any issues or anything like that. Um, yeah, I heard he just bumped on his knee is what I've been reading. and That's exactly it. it. That's and exactly it. A little it. Sore. Yeah. I mean, we've done that. I've fallen down playing tag as a child or running around, goofing off playing. I've played football. I bumped on my knee when I got tackled or tripped or got stumbled up on. He's going to be fine. It's a bumped knee, folks. We're going to be okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and that's something that sh- everyone should remember is that it is, it's a very simple one. Harbaugh was very honest about it when he said uh, it was nothing serious. I actually watched Brashad walk off the field. I, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with him. Um, he didn't have a limp or anything like that, so I, I would not be worried about that in the slightest. Um, we did mention wonderful. that Webb was out. Rashawn Melvin filled in for Webb on the first team. Uh, for those that don't know, Rashawn Melvin was kind of one of that uh, one of those guys last year that was in the secondary and just started to kind of spark and started doing a little bit better uh, every game last season and showed a little bit of potential. He played damn well as well. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say you're not going to miss Webby, but uh, Rashawn Melvin. He's interesting. It's a guy that I think we all need to kind of keep an eye on. That's exciting, um, man. That's that's great news. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the Ravens also had a bunch of people back for the punt return job, and I know that's another big battle that's going to be happening this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Nelson, who they just signed, he was a safety. They brought him over as a wide receiver. He was back there. 
Aldrick Robinson, Trey Walker, Steve Smith, Campanero. Uh, dude, everybody. Everybody was back there today catching punts, man. It was it was wild. Uh, and we've heard this before from Harbaugh. He, he wants somebody to win that job. He wants someone to wow him with the ability to return the punts. And maybe that's Michael Campanero. Maybe it's not. We'll kind of find out as training camp uh, progresses on. But clearly they have an idea on who they want back there uh, based on what we saw today. Um, Rashad Perryman did start off a little rough. He had a false start. He had a uh, little bit of a bobble drop where he just kind of hit him in the hands. He bounced it a few times to himself, dove for it, and just wasn't able to come up with it. Um, but he seriously did look good. Uh, the backup running back spot's going to be an interesting battle as well, and I know a lot of people are not really uh, talking about that one. But uh, I saw Terrence McGee today on two runs, 15 yards, and he put a spin move on afterwards. Um, he's an undrafted guy. He's a rookie. But he looked good. He looked really good. Actually, all the running backs looked really good, Forsett included. Uh, Forsett is clearly small guy. He's a, he's not a very big guy, but you want that in kind of a slashing running back, which you need with the uh, zone blocking scheme. But everybody looked fast, and Forsett looks cut. Uh, dude was putting in work in in Cal. So, you know, it's uh it's crazy. The best quote from today by far was Harbaugh on the young corners. We have a lot of pit bulls out there, and he's absolutely right. Watching that that secondary, those guys are not hesitant to go up for that ball. They're not hesitant to fight the wide receiver, uh, both in the air and maybe a little bit after the ball. That is great news. That is great news, especially with the lack of interceptions that we did see last season. Half of it was Jimmy Smith not being able to be healthy the entire season, but also with us fielding mainly practice squad players. But at one point, Haloti Nada was leading our team in interceptions with two. I do want to remind everybody that him and yeah. CJ Mosley actually tied at the end of the season for two interceptions from our squad. That is not good numbers, especially when it's, neither of those are a defensive back of any kind. Yeah, and, and that's something that I think the Ravens are really focusing uh, in on this offseason is let's make those splash plays on defense. They make all the difference. Uh and, and we always hear that on the offense. Let's get that deep ball. Let's get a big running play. The same thing's the case on defense. If you can get a fumble recovery, uh, even just a fumble, even if you don't recover it, uh, or an interception, those types of plays spark an entire team. They can change the momentum of an entire game. If you're down by 14 you get a you get the right play at the right time, you can go on and win that game. And we've seen it from the Ravens in, in years past, and we've seen it in the NFL uh, every single season. The Ravens clearly want to focus in on that type of stuff, and it makes sense. So, uh, you know, the, the cornerbacks look crazy good, and, and I'm excited for that uh, secondary again. If they stay healthy, man, ooh. That's great. I'm excited to hear this. I'm excited you're at camp. I'm jealous that I'm not there, but <laughs> I guess they don't want to fly me out from Colorado every single week every single day trying to make sure that I get to watch training camp. So you enjoy that, Matt. Now we're going to get into actually talking more about the cornerbacks, the starters, our expectations on those. I'm going to start off. I'm expecting Jimmy Smith to be number one. He should be. He's a shutdown corner. He's top eight in the league, in my opinion, when healthy. 
And next to him, I still do have Lardarius Webb. But as you said earlier, he was absent from training camp today, and he wasn't exactly missed. And Rashawn Melvin filled that role. He's another big cornerback. You and I were talking about this earlier. He's about 6'2", 190. He's a big player. He should be making big plays. And the only reason he was he isn't remembered as well is because he was eviscerated by the Patriots in a playoff game where we had fielded more than enough practice squad players against a playoff team in a big moment. The, the cornerback situation as far as the nickel and in the slot, I still have Arrington winning that one out cleanly because of his talents in the corner, in the slot position, excuse me. I'm excited for that, definitely, because I love Kyle Arrington. I like watching him in the slot. I will say that every single time I say his name, in the slot, because he's good in the slot. He's not a good outside corner. He can't do what Jimmy Smith does. Yeah, Absolutely cannot handle a Des Bryant, Antonio Brown when he's out there on the sideline, A.J. Green, who we all have to deal with twice a year, apparently. Not Des Bryant, but A.J. and Antonio. But I'm excited for that. Uh, the, my expectations, I want turnovers. I want turnovers by Will Hill. I want w- turnovers from Jimmy. I want passes deflected. I want tackling. Tackling is going to be very key against some of these teams. Marshawn's going to try and go outside when we play against the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to have to snuff that out really quick. We're going to have to take care of running games and Cornerbacks are a very important part of that. We need to be able to wrap up. We need to be able to tackle. Those are my big expectations for the cornerbacks this season. What about you, Matthew? Well, I, I do want to point out that uh, you, you did say Ladarius was not all that missed, and that's completely accurate. I mean, like I said, Rashawn, uh, Rashawn Melvin did a great job today, uh, and he did well last season as well, filling in for Jimmy Smith. Uh, Ladarius was out because he failed his conditioning test, and uh, Coach Harbaugh did talk a little bit about that and did mention that uh, it, it wasn't a standard failing your conditioning test, like not being able to run enough. We've seen Webby, he's he's in just fine shape. Uh, part of that was he failed because, uh, and this is as Coach Harbaugh put it, it had something to do with getting his heart rate back down uh, to an acceptable level within an acceptable amount of time. And a good portion of that is because you don't want to have a guy, he might be able to play a half really really well and be just fine but that fatigue starts setting in and it starts setting in and and a a half turns into a game turns into multiple games and once that fatigue starts really setting in guys end up trying to take shortcuts their bodies take shortcuts it's just natural there's nothing they can do about that and when you do that you get injured so the reason why they have that type of a conditioning test is to make sure that guys stay healthy and that's been Coach Harbaugh's start uh, or, or thing from the beginning is take care of each other. Uh, and we've seen that throughout camp so far. Uh, and from OTAs, guys are being physical without crossing that line to where there can be an injury happening, which is important. So that failed conditioning test, it's important. Uh, it's not a good thing that he failed that conditioning test, but it's not the worst thing in the world either. Webby's been in this league for long enough. He's just fine. He'll come back. Uh, maybe not tomorrow, but he will come back in, in the next few days, and uh, he'll he'll get right back up to to his his usual self. Um, but with that being said, is the Ravens do have Rashawn Melvin uh, and Kyle? You were talking a little bit about where you think guys will end up being placed. 
Uh, I think with Rashawn Melvin being as big as he is and as young as he is, if he's able to mature from a football perspective, he could potentially end up going ahead and being the number two guy uh, and pushing Lardarius Webb more into that slot role uh, and fighting it out with Kyle Arrington, which Webb should win. Um, so, you know, it, it, that's that's going to be a battle I don't think anyone really uh, thought about at the beginning of this season. And I think even a lot of people won't be thinking about it until partway into training camp when that battle really becomes uh, more important and, and more noticeable. So uh, the corners, we've mentioned it before, stay healthy. If they can stay healthy and they can go ahead and, and tackle properly, that secondary is going to be a top five secondary, no question in my mind. I got one more question on this. You did just mention it. You believe Lardarius Webb would beat Kyle Arrington in a position battle for the slot corner role. Do you actually believe that? I do. I do. Um, and I think I, I think the main reason behind that would be partially because the Ravens know what they have in Lardarius Webb. They don't entirely know what they have in Kyle Arrington. And regardless of how much you practice this season, you don't know. We've had Webby for quite a long time, Very uh, but we've not had Kyle Arrington for that long. So you know what you get. You, you, you know the uh, you know the good with the bad with Webb. Um, also, in addition to that, Webb can be pushed to the outside. Mm-hmm. I don't like him there. He's small. He's starting to lose that speed that was able to help him. Uh, a matchup well against the top wide receivers in the league. He's right. losing a little bit of that, and that's what happens after multiple knee surgeries uh, and, and just getting older. But with that being said, I, I think he wins that battle. Uh, at the very least, it becomes a rotational thing, but I think Webb gets the starting nod simply because yeah. he's the veteran and the Ravens know what they have on that one. But maybe they do rotate them in and out. But um, that's my guess at this point. I don't know. We'll, we'll see as training camp kind of progresses uh, where guys end up lining up at. All right, sounds good. Now we're going on to the linebackers. The same exact thing, linebackers, our expectations on such. Me, I got C.J. Mosley with a great sophomore season. There's no way he can really decline. He worked his ass off, and he had to clear up a lot of tackling that was – not happening, apparently, as he racked in loads and loads of tackles this year. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he was, I believe, second on tackles for last season. And I believe Keekley was the person that beat him out on tackling. He might have been a little bit lower, but regardless, we're fine. Our linebacking situation is fine. Everybody's scared we lost Pernell McPhee. He was a rotational effort on the pass rush. C.J. Mosley will continue to snuff out the run. Daryl Smith will continue to play great coverage. To those that don't know, he is ranked top five as an inside linebacker for Madden. So congratulations to the Baltimore Ravens on that. Daryl Smith's coverage ability is great. Everybody forgets him because of his long career with Jacksonville, and they haven't been a successful squad. But Daryl Smith is a very good linebacker in a great situation with a pass rush surrounded by Terrell Suggs and Elvis Doomerville, who I expect to do just as good as last year. They're very talented. Doomerville has a lightning quick off the ball step. It works well. He also gets off sides three times in one games against the San Diego Chargers, which I'm still not forgetting. But they're very good. Terrell Suggs, a still 
dominant pass rusher against left tackles in the NFL. He does well, even when he's matched up against Andrew Whitworth of the Cincinnati Bengals, who's a dominant tackle. I'm looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to our linebackers. This is going to be a great year, like I've continued to say. We're looking towards a positive effort by the Baltimore Ravens. Matt, what do you got for me? Uh, you, you practically said it all, Kyle. I mean, uh, I, I think C.J. Mosley comes back just as strong, uh, if not even stronger. The kid's smart, um, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't really uh, know about him is that he's a smart football, instinctually football uh, smart guy. Give him another year another offseason, a chance to actually train all offseason properly instead of for the combine, and you're going to have a better football player. Maybe not a better physical specimen, but a better football player. Um, so I, I think he does well. I, I think, uh, you know, Daryl Smith, like you mentioned, Kyle, he's one of the best in Madden. You know, Madden don't lie on that type of stuff. Uh, he's, he's one of the best for the reason, or for a reason. Um, and, and a lot of that's been, he's just quiet. He does his job, doesn't, you know, doesn't parade around, doesn't really expect a, a boatload of money, but he does his job. Um, out, outside of that, I mean, you're talking about the outside linebackers. You got C, uh, uh excuse me, Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumerville. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally think that they do worse this year and it's not okay. because, they're going to be worse as players, though both of them are getting a little bit older, as happens every year, of course. Um, of course. Both of them are, are hitting that 30-32 mark, uh, I believe, respectively, for Doomerville and then for Terrell Suggs. But uh, the main thing is is that if this secondary again stays healthy, to go back what we were just talking about, the Ravens aren't going to need the pass rush nearly as often. They can kind of use those guys uh, and use a four-man rush like they typically would, or a three-man rush, and not have to worry as much about sending everybody in the house uh, against the quarterback. That limits throwing lanes. It limits a lot of what a quarterback can do. But it also limits in terms how many stack uh, sacks that a guy like Doomerville or a guy like Terrell Suggs can get. So, um, you know, if if my prediction of the secondary doing better, then my prediction also has to be that Elvis Doomerville and Terrell Suggs don't do as good statistically, but they do better overall uh, against the run and against the pass uh, than than just rushing the quarterback. But you pretty much said it all, Kyle. They're going to be great. Everyone's great. It's all great. It's fan freaking fantastic. <laughs> I'm so excited, man. Wonderful. See, that's that's the problem right now is everything's great. Players are great. They're doing great. Practice is great. John Harbaugh's great. Everything's great. What's going wrong? Because we don't know what's wrong yet. We're hoping nothing's wrong, but we're all panicking inside. We're all looking just a little bit, a little bit more intense around our surround on our surroundings, waiting for that bad to finally happen. But so far, it's all it's all smooth coast, man. It's all it's all nice. It's all nice. I'm loving it. Now we're segueing into this. We just touched on the players, the linebacking core. And we got a competition now. It's uh, who do we drink to is going to be the game. <coughs> Excuse me. I got my Schonerbach beer here, good sir. There you go. I am I'm drinking the New Belgium Abbey. Since I am living in Fort Collins, I try to drink local beer. They brew it right here in Fort Collins. It's delicious beer. 
Buy yourself a six-pack if you can find it. <laughs> Hit us up with that sponsorship, maybe. Exactly, yeah. Fort Collins, <laughs> Colorado, if you feel like sponsoring me, I'll take Odell. I'll take I'll take either of them. Please give me some New Belgium money. I'll wear the merch. I'll talk about you guys and your beer. If you pay me, I'm doing it if you don't right now. So yeah. let you guys know that. I don't live right. anywhere near Texas, but, um, you know, <laughs> Shinerbach, if you want to hook a brother up, I'm just saying. Uh, Yingling as well, if you guys want to maybe send me a case or two, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, if Natty Bo would love to send me some beer, I will I will ship mine to you. I will drink all of it, please. All right. Send me that sponsorship. <laughs> now, to be adults and get back to our actual <laughs> game, it's called Who Do You Drink To? Who has more impact on the Baltimore Ravens team success? First question is C.J. Mosley and Daryl Smith or Elvis Doomerville and Terrell Suggs? I'm going to answer first on this one, and I'm going with Elvis Doomerville and Terrell Suggs. That's my answer. And my main argument on this is Elvis Doomerville and Terrell Suggs are pass rush extraordinaires. Terrell Suggs being the dominant, consistent, outside linebacker that Baltimore has always been able to enjoy. I love watching him play. And the fax machine snafu himself, Elvis Doomerville, <laughs> wrecked, wrecked in, what was it, 18 sacks in the regular season, 20 sacks total, including playoffs. We were lighting quarterbacks up, and I don't believe that is because Daryl Smith and C.J. Mosley were snuffing out the pass. I believe it's because they were so quick. I remember watching that Patriots game, and we all knew that our our cornerback situation was so bad, and we knew that they were going to take notice of it eventually. The Patriots stopped running. They realized it wasn't going to happen on us. And pretty much what was said in that line, I assume, was Terrell Suggs yelling maniacally as the orc that he is, <laughs> but also getting some words of, there's no way our cornerbacks are going to be able to guard these receivers against Tom Brady much. We have to get there. We have to hurry. We have to get to him before he can let that ball go because he is dominating us in the past, and we have to get there. And that's exactly what they did. Unfortunately, they cannot get there any quicker while shoving across linemen, trying to get around them. Doomerville, McPhee, Pelodi, Terrell, all of them, and I know this is argument of only Doomerville and Suggs, so I'm going to try and keep it there, so I'll redo this. Doomerville and Suggs got there as quick as physically possible while shoving 200 to 300 pound men out of their way. They did it very quickly. In less than two seconds is what it seemed to be. Unfortunately, Brady was getting that pass off in a second or less is what it felt. I don't think he did more than a three-step drop in the second half. He just lit that up. He just snapped through, snapped through, because he had to, because Terrell Suggs and Elvis Doomerville were always there. That's going to be my game to go to on this discussion. Matt, do you have a different opinion? You know, Kyle, I I'm going to drink to C.J. Mosley and Daryl Smith, and my argument is if it's last season, sure. I, I would agree with you. It was all about the pass rush strictly because of how terrible that secondary was. Okay. This season – it's not going to be about that. It's going to be about stopping the run, which C.J. Mosley and Daryl Smith are the absolute best in the league. I don't care who you are. I don't care what team you are, <laughs> what team you're a fan of. I'll fight you. It's cool. Yeah. Um, especially after enough of beer. I, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, th those guys, 
they stop the run, they snuff it out, they, they, the team doesn't have to worry about it. And it harkens back to the day of the Ray Lewis era, really, when you didn't have to worry about a team running. And part of that was because of the defensive line. Part of that was simply because the linebackers were able to be get there, get to the line so quick and, and plug those holes. That's what you have now. And if you don't have to worry about the run, all you have to worry about is the pass, which means guys like Doomerville and Suggs can tee off on a quarterback because you know that's all they're going to do, and that's what they did all season long. You knew that any team wasn't going to run on you. You knew that Pittsburgh wasn't even going to try it, especially with Le'Veon Bell out. So you could just pin those ears back and just tee off on Roethlisberger and try to make him hurt at the end of the game, and they did. Um but you can't do that if you can't stop the run. So uh, I'm drinking to the run stuffers, C.J. Mosley and Daryl Smith, you guys. All right. I'm drinking to Terrell Suggs and Elvis Cool Doomerville, spelled with a K for that cool, by the way, if you <laughs> folks don't know. That is his actual middle name. It's not as cool as mine, but it is pretty decent. Cheers, good sir. No? Yep, cheers. All right. Next up is Justin Forsett the journeyman running back, along with Lorenzo Taliaferro, who is a second-year running back. Uh, a lot of fans outside of Baltimore wouldn't know who the hell that is. Versus Steve Smith and Brashad Perryman. I'm going to answer this one first, Kyle. Go for it. I'm going to go for set and our buddy LT, <laughs> simply because <laughs> the, <laughs> this team is a run-first team, and it always will be. I don't care what's going on. I don't care. who You could put me back there, and it's going to be a run-first team. <laughs> you got that offensive line, and again, it's only about these two players. It's not about the offensive line, but when you got that offensive line, man, you run. You run all day long. You wear out that defense. You you wear out that uh, that defensive line and those linebackers by trying to go ahead and, and, and block or, or get around a guy like Yonda. Woo! I'll take the running game all day long on that type of stuff. So I'm drinking to JF and LT. All right, one more time. How how long would you how long would you take for them? All day long. All day all day. All right. <laughs> my opinion is the same thing. My reasoning is different. One, we have not seen Brashad Perryman in an NFL game, not even an NFL preseason game. I cannot give an impact on the team's success on a player I have never even seen snap, have a snap, excuse me, in the NFL. He's been practice. He has not proven to me that he is a good football player. I'm waiting for the success still. I hope by the end of the year I can say, man, it was definitely Brashad Perryman and Steve Smith. Both of them had 1,000-yard seasons. Both of them crushed Randy Moss's touchdown record. I can't wait. I would love to say that. I'm not expecting it. But that's my reasoning. Justin Forsett also deserves to be, I would have him above Steve Smith and any other wide receiver of last year. Justin Forsett's success last year was better than Torrey Smith and Steve Smith's, I believe. That's my opinion. Now, attacking on Lorenzo Taliferro, who I believe has the nickname of Iron Retribution, if people don't know that. I can't remember. It's in a different language. That's what uh, Lorenzo Taliferro means. That's what I've read anyways. I don't know if it's true yet. But those two combined will have a better impact for the Baltimore Ravens than Steve Smith and Brashad Perryman. It's a simple no-brainer for me. I hope by the end of the year, like I said, I can say it was even the wide receivers doing even better than Justin Forsett and Lorenzo Tuckerell. 
the third discussion is Joe Flacco against Marshall Yonda. Who has more impact on the Baltimore Ravens' success? I'm going with the easy answer of Joe Flacco. Now, while I do say it is an easy answer, Flacco versus Marshall Yonda is not a one and then a step down to two. It is more a 1A and 1B success in my mind. Joe Flacco is a phenomenal quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. You don't give that man $100 million if he is not a good and successful QB in the National Football League. Marshall Yonda, though, is the greatest lineman in the NFL right now, and it's not even close. He's more important than a left tackle. He, uh, the ball is snapped and is ran to his side more often than not. And I think one of the plays in the playbook is handoff, right side, follow Yonda on two-on-two hut. I think that's the actual writing. (laughs) Kubiak had it. And I don't think Tressman has touched that because he knows that's exactly what the play is. Follow Yonda on two-on-two hut. And that is a counter fake to the left side. Actually, just go back and follow Yonda on two-on-two hut. That's exactly what it is. It's great. (laughs) And, And while I am hyping up Yonda on there, I think Joe Flacco makes everything work. I believe his consistent play and his playoff success pushes him over Yonda's success as being a great player and a great value to the Baltimore Ravens. That's my opinion on the subject. Joe Flacco, you just got to give it to the quarterback, the most important piece as a football squad. Joe Flacco, what is your opinion, though, Matt? All right. Kyle, I, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to go Yonda, and oh, good. I, I'm going to leave it simple too. I'm actually I'm going to do two different things here. First and foremost, Yonda is a Hall of Fame player. Um, I'm going to call it now. Uh, I believe actually Coach Harbaugh mentioned something about that today. Yonda is a Hall of Fame type of player. He'll get there. Um, you don't play that well that consistently for that long without getting into the Hall of Fame somehow. Flacco, I can't say that about him yet. Uh, I'd love to be able to say it about him eventually, but I can't say about him yet. My second thing is, today, uh, both Flacco and Yonda were asked by Baltimore Ravens writer Ryan Mink, uh, who would you least like to fight in an alley? And Flacco said, Everyone on this team. (laughs) Yonda, on the other hand, thought about it really seriously and then said, Steve Smith, man, you could probably hit him like a hundred times and he'd still keep coming at you. To which then Ryan Mink said, well, yeah, but the same could be said about you. And without even a hesitation, he said, yeah, I know it'd be a good fight. I like that man. That's a man to drink to. I love that. I love that. All right. I, I will drink to Marshall Yonda here. Cheers. That is, that is, that is good. All right. I want to first, before we get into anything else, Absolutely. I want to thank everybody that's on here right now. We're getting ready to answer questions, so if you guys want to start popping up comments left and right here uh, about what questions you guys have about the team, about training camp, about us, about what beers we're drinking – List out the questions, guys and gals. Please do send in questions. We love answering it. We love getting feedback. We love getting comments. We love it. Please fill that comment uh, group, conversation, area, thread, whatever. 
Fill it up with comments, please. Please, 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 please. I love doing it. So, uh, also, I want to see that thumbs up button go up a hell of a lot more. It's at 102 from what I see right now. Mine's at I, 9 because I haven't refreshed and I was really stressed out right now. It's, it's at 114. I want oh, it higher, cool. guys. I want it higher. We got to beat last week's total. Come on. Please. Yes, I would love to see every total get bigger and bigger and bigger until we rule the world. What? Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to drink to that, to roll into the world. Or to, hey, to ruling to the world. It. I gotta crack open a new one. I gotta crack open. Here we go. Watch this. Ah. Oh. Cheers. Cheers, good sir. All right. We also wanted to obviously before you know we start answering questions, and I see they're coming through now. Yes. Um. Patreon. We've mentioned it every podcast. I'm gonna mention it again because that's what we do. Uh, in addition to our sponsor, Rally Bus, what we're looking to really do is we're looking for you guys to help us out. You like what we do. Uh, I, I see you guys commenting. I see what you guys are, are liking and what you guys aren't liking. We want to make a better podcast for you. And if you like the content that we're giving you, and we give you an hour a week, a little maybe a little bit more. As of right now, it's a little bit more. If you wouldn't mind, a dollar for an hour of content, I think, is a fair price. Um, if you want to give us a little bit more than that, that'd be awesome. If, uh, you know, not at all, that's cool too. We're still going to keep rocking this out every single week, so no worries. But the more, con- the, the more money that you give us, the more, more donations that you give us, I should say, they go to better equipment. They go to some really awesome giveaways, which is the first, uh, milestone that we're going to hit in like $45. So, and that first one's going to be a doozy, but, um, yeah, hit us up. Give us a buck or two. Um, like what we do, support us. Share us with your friends. At the very least, if you can't give us a buck, you better be sharing the hell out of this podcast, um, or I will find you. No, exactly. I'm not really. Yes, yes. No, we're, we're going to find you. No, <laughs> take that back. We're finding you. Okay, my turn. I'm hopping in on this. I'm, I'm stealing this over. I'm on the Baltimore Beatdown Patreon account right now. We have seven patrons and with seven people donating money to this podcast, we are over halfway there. It wasn't 55 people giving us $55. It is seven patrons giving us $55 a month. Half of them are actually, I'm going to be honest with you, some of my old college buddies that are still in school and they still believe in this podcast so much, they're actually helping me out. I messaged them. I said, hey, this is the only time I'll bug you. I'm not selling Cutco knives. I'm selling you my podcast. This is what it is, all right? Seven patrons have given $55. If every person that did that thumbs up on our pot, on, a, on our Rabble.tv, Rabblecast podcast, we would be there. We have 41 plays on my screen right now for Rabble.tv. If we got 41, we would be up to 96. We'd be up to $96. And I'm trying so hard. I love doing this. Matt knows this. I'm talking to him for an hour after the show, and he wants to go to bed. I'm two hours behind him, and I still want to talk about the show. We're doing two a week almost because I just want to keep going. I love getting on here. I love talking to you guys. I love talking with Matt. I love having this having this show wrote up by Daniel Park, who is a huge part of this. It's I can't tell you how much fun I'm having. This is actually the dream I set out to be. I remember when I wanted to start writing about football. I was writing it on my own blog spot account. Then Matt found me. Matt said, hey, would you like to write for SB Nation? 
Of course I do, because that's where I'm stealing all of my content from is your guys' website. <laughs> Thank you. Now I can write for you guys, and I don't have to thieve it from you anymore. And I remember writing all that stuff. I remember my friends telling me, hey, this is actually pretty big. And I said, dude, I want to talk about football. I want to do those giveaways. I want to be on the radio. I want to be able to have fun. I want to do this professionally. I want to make money off it. The first thing, though, is I'm not making money off you guys right now. That's not what this Patreon is about. I want to make that clear. People are like, oh, we're just giving him money so we can go buy new shoes. Or we're giving him money so we can pay rent. That's not what this is even for. What Patreon is for is to make a better podcast for you listeners out there. First off is not even getting our equipment upgraded. It's actually to give back. With that first $100, we're not pocketing that. We're instead giving away stuff for you guys, and it will only be for the Patreon users. So all of a sudden, you when we finally do hit $100 and you don't have your $1 a month in, you're not getting a part of this giveaway, which would suck because if you gave $1 a month and found out our giveaway is something really cool, which it is, and all you did was not give $1 a month, it's 12 a year. All right, I love talking about this. I'm giving you a big old salesman speech, and I'm sorry, but I love doing this. I care about it tremendously. I really do give 100% effort on this stuff. I love what I do. I absolutely love it, and I would love to see somebody's face when I get to send them a giveaway. I'd love to be able to upgrade this equipment, do more live shows, do something better, have better equipment, have a better computer, have a better microphone, just so you guys can hear us better because we love giving out this content. That's what we're about. I'm sorry for annoying you guys and rattling your ear off now. All right. Let's 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 stop trying to sales pitch them um, and let's right. let's right. talk sorry. a little bit about some of the questions that they have. <laughs> the first question that was asked is rank the division top to bottom. Thanks. Uh, and that was from Pompano. I'm going to rank them first. Uh, I'm going to say it's Ravens, it's Steelers, it's Bengals, but that is close. And then it's Browns, and I don't think yep. that's a surprise at all that Browns are at the bottom. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think the Ravens are top. And then I think it's the Steelers and the, uh, the Bengals, and I think it's just a matter of those two teams fighting it out. But it's going to be close, and the Ravens could very well be in third or second easily. So I'm gonna yeah. let you go with it, Kyle. All right, I'm going. I'm going the exact same. I'm going Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, Browns. But it is a one A, one B, and one C argument, and then four. Okay. Because <laughs> the because because you can't put one, two, and three, and then I'll have four at the end. One A being the Ravens because our team looks great top to bottom. We have stellar players in every position. We look poised for a Super Bowl run. One B, B being the Steelers because their offense is lighting it up. They have the best trio in the NFL. I have them better than the Rodgers, Lacey, Nelson combo of the Green Bay Packers. It is Ben Roethlisberger, Bell, and Brown. Roethlisberger, yeah. Bell, and Brown, or Ben, Bell, Brown, so you can have the three Bs. That's fine by me. I don't care. Anyways, their offense looks poised for a very outstanding season. They're going to be racking in the yards. They're going to be racking in the touchdowns, but can their defense hold teams to less points than what their offense is outputting? I know that's a statement for every team, obviously, but this is going to be important for their team as they roll over into new era after Troy has finally left, after Ike has finally left. The only player left is James Harrison from those old squads. That's important. C being the Cincinnati Bengals. They're a phenomenal regular season team. They consistently put out wins. They have a great offense. They have a good defense. I wouldn't say they're on the same level as the Ravens. That's the only reason why. 
any of these teams can finish first in our division this year. Any yeah. of them. The Browns could even surprise. I know everybody says that every year, and I laugh at them. But their defense is very stacked. They're missing a good quarterback to finally push them over the edge into making this division a three-headed monster to an all-out brawl of four wars, really. That's what the difference is for the Cleveland Browns. They have a very good team in all positions. Yeah, yeah, that's actually. That's my answer. Uh, you know, we, we do make fun of the Browns an awful lot, and that's because Cleveland a sucks. A lot. Amen. Um, hey, <laughs> cheers to that. <laughs> I, I'm out of beer, but so is Cleveland, so. Yeah! Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, they, they've got a stacked defense, uh, like you said, and one quarterback, and, you know, I'm not saying that's Manziel. I'm not saying that's any of, like, the 15 quarterbacks they have on their roster that they're going to try out this year. Eh, who the hell knows? But who know who knew that Joe Flacco was going to turn into Joe Flacco? Who knew that Tony Romo was going to turn into Romo, or or that Peyton Manning was going to turn into Peyton Manning? Well, I guess a lot of people knew Peyton Manning, but everybody, <laughs> you know. But but that's the thing with quarterbacks with with any player. Who who knows, man? They can end up turning into somebody really really good, and they were an undrafted guy. Um, we we always hear those stories. The Browns could have one of those guys on their roster right now, and and even though they're the Browns and they suck, um, and they'd probably end up like you know tossing that guy in the trash. Uh, on it pretty hard right now. Yeah, you know, the Browns suck. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna write me a poorly worded letter. Um, there we go. <laughs> but you know, they they could end up being a, a solid team, and it would surprise a lot of people that aren't in the AFC North. So. Yep. But yeah, I think we both agree on who we're uh, who we're going with there. Yep. The second one is best QBs in the division. Is Joe a better quarterback than Ben, or do their teams make them better quarterbacks? And that's JMC Grew or J McGrew. I actually know who that is. That is uh, Jacob McGrew. He's a actually a friend of mine. He's a college friend of mine. So he's actually one of the Patreon users too. So shout out to him. Sweet. But, Thanks, exactly. Jay McGrew. Exactly. But, all right, to get to the question, I'm, I'm going to answer this first. The best quarterbacks in the division, it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger first. I still have him better than Joe Flacco. He has better weapons, clearly. Antonio Brown, who's the best receiver in the league, I'll argue that with anybody. Bring it on. Please bring it on. And <laughs> he has Le'Veon Bell to hand off to and to throw to. He has Martavis Bryant, who is somehow still under the radar. He's got Marcus Wheaton. He still has... Heath Miller, who is very old, but still just a, a Jason Witten light. He still does well. He still catches that third down once a game that you all get pissed off about. Yeah. I still have Ben Roethlisberger first. That's my answer. Second will be Joe Flacco, and it's no question about that. Joe Flacco is clearly better than Andy Dalton. His playoff success alone points to that. He's a very good quarterback. And he also isn't getting cop-out catches from A.J. Green. You throw A.J. Green on the Baltimore Ravens, and we got something going. We got something cooking. And you know what that is? Complete success on the Ravens' offense is what that is. Yeah. Handing off to Justin Forsett and Joe Flacco throwing to A.J. Green. Yes, please. Yes, please do that. <laughs> Third is Andy Dalton, though. He is middling success, but he still gets it done. They win 9-7, and 10-6, and 8-8. Eight and eight. They look good. They usually have a winning season. They've been taking care of the football. He does a great job of playing the quarterback position 
at not just a game manager type, but he actually airs the ball out. He does well. His problems being the playoffs, along with Marvin Lewis coaching in the playoffs, and his success in primetime games is the only reason that's holding him back. If he can figure it out, we're not going to be excited when we go to the playoffs and play him. I guarantee you that. Now, fourth is whoever the hell is the Cleveland Browns quarterback this year, whether it be Johnny Manziel or whoever else is their quarterback right now. But those are my rankings. What about you, Matt? I'm going to go the same exact way that you did. and uh, You know, you can make the case for Joe Flacco first, um, and you could certainly make the case if the Ravens win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, that would be uh, that would be a lot. Uh, yeah, I could make that case easily. Um, but that all being said is Ben right now is number one, and, and I hate saying that. I, I absolutely <laughs> hate saying that. Yep. But Ben's number one, and he's number one for the reason that he, you know, he's he's made wide receivers, and Antonio Brown's another one of them. Um, you know, Kyle, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you just to piss you off. I'm going to say uh, Odell Beckham Jr. You know, no, no, <laughs> no. but but in all seriousness, no. you know, he's made Antonio Brown what he is. He's made Mike Wallace what he is, and we've all seen what Mike Wallace has done after the fact. But um, you know Ben is who he is, and and I I hate him as a quarterback. I kind of hate him as a person. He's a very sleazy dude, or at least was. But uh, you know he gets the job done, and that's that's what we're ranking here. So it's him, then it's Flacco, and then it's Andy Dalton. If Andy Dalton's able to win a bunch of playoff games this year, then maybe we talk about it. But other than that, he's like Matt Ryan to me, a guy who does decently well in the regular season, uh, but has a ton of help around him. But then can't do it against like a good defense. Um, Dalton or Matt Ryan ahead of each other. Who do you got first? Dalton, Matt Ryan. Yes, Dalton or Ryan. Who do you got top? Oh man, Uh, I'm gonna say it quick. Uh, I'm gonna say Matt Ryan. It better be Matt Ryan. That is not even close. I don't care about who has more help. Matt Ryan is better quarterback than Andy Dalton. That's that. That's a lot closer than I think you're giving it credit for. But not. It is one and two clearly. One and two. Anyways. uh, and then, then after Dalton, it's yeah, whoever the hell the Browns feel like. You got my, you got my list. Giants friend Jake all fired up about Odell Beckham Jr. on the comments list. <laughs> Shout out to Matt for having a level head on his shoulders. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna explode. Yo, yo, Jacob, I, I've got to tell you this right now. It's nowhere close, man. Antonio Brown is head and shoulders <laughs> above. Thank you. Head and shoulders oh. above it now. I will say this, which will probably appease you a little bit. He has a chance. No, he, he does. He does. He, he absolutely does. has a chance. But we He'll cannot anoint him number one after Thank one you. year, after a hell of a catch. And, and we saw that. Oh, we all saw that catch. That one it's catch phenomenal. does not make him a phenomenal, perfect the best wide catch receiver. I've ever seen. Him or that Dobson catch when he played for Marshall in college. But I'm not getting into that right now. We're getting into the next question which is the Jamal Lewis question. I believe I'm going to scroll down. I'm going to find it, but I'm pretty sure it was people have Jamal as overrated or underrated, I believe was the question. That's exactly the question, Kyle. Okay. Let me. Uh, It's G Morty uh, was having a conversation the other day with someone and we were trying to figure out if Jamal Lewis was overrated or underrated our thoughts. All right. I'm going to start this one off. Uh, I was a high school running back at the time that uh, Jamal Lewis was, becoming active uh dude was underrated 
he's a guy that is still never talked about, despite coming the closest at the time to breaking the all-time uh, single-season rushing record. That That's crazy. That's crazy that he's still not thought of in that way. We've got a guy like uh, uh, Peterson. We've got Jamal Charles. We've got, uh, hell, Corey Dillon still gets talked about as one of the greatest. Yep. Yet Jamal Lewis is never in that conversation, and that's unfair for him. And part of that's maybe the 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 whole suspension thing that happened with him and his drug deal, and that him hanging around with some old friends. It might be that. It might be the fact that he went to the Browns and to rag more on the Browns. That's what happens for going to the Browns, Jamal. He was still consistent with the Browns, but I have absolutely. The, I know the reason why he's overlooked. And it's overlooked because he played with a team that had the best defense in the NFL ever. That's and exactly everybody, right. When you think of the 2000 Ravens or 2006 Ravens, I don't, I can't remember if he was with the 06 Ravens. Pardon uh, me. I believe so. Yeah, but the most important part of this was not Jamal running for 2,000 yards. The important part was that defense didn't allow anybody to run 2,000s an entire season against them. Everybody doesn't remember the offensive workload that he was given. Everybody remembers just a bad quarterback and a phenomenal defense. They don't remember it was a bad quarterback, one of the best rushing seasons in the NFL of all time, mixed with the greatest defense of all time. That's the problem there that I see. Yeah, you know, I I don't have these stats right in front of me right now, but I believe uh, he has in the Super Bowl one of the highest – number of rushing yards as a rookie um that's insane remember he was he was a rookie and he beat out priest holmes it wasn't even close by the end of the season they pushed priest holmes out of baltimore Mm -hmm. um that's something that you know needs to be said let's also not forget that baltimore has been known as a rushing team and as of right now he's the baltimore ravens all-time leading rushing attempts yards and touchdowns and how does this guy get forgotten He's underrated. He has over 10,000 yards. His average is 4.2 on his career, and he has 58 rushing touchdowns. That's something that I think a lot of people don't really recognize is that he hit the 10,000 mark for his career. And, and again, keep in mind, he played in Cleveland for a bunch of years, and that's not – I'm not trying to bash Cleveland, but he played in Cleveland for a bunch of years toward the end of his career after getting wore out in Baltimore. And And he still has an over four-yard average. He had 295 yards in a single game. People forget that. He had one of the best games in NFL history. It's only been beat out by Adrian Peterson at 296. He ran roughshod on teams. He did by himself with Trent Dilfer or Kyle Bowler handing off to him. How are people not remembering this guy? Absolutely. It, and it's crazy. It, it's he, not homerism at this point. It's not. It's this dude has the numbers. Why are we not speaking of him when talking about great running backs? Because of a defense that was so historical, we forget the offensive side of that football. I to really quickly break it down for, for those that are, are still listening, Jamal Lewis is one of a very few number, uh twenty nine total players that have broken the 10,000 career rushing yard list. 29 total running backs have ever broken this list. Jamal Lewis is number 23. Now, when quickly doing our math here, he is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 
9, 10, 11, 12, 13. He's 14th on this list in average run, in, in his yards per average. He's 14th all time, all time in the 10th. It's beyond me how anyone could ever talk about him not being one, one of the best of all. So underrated by far. Whoever your friend is, G. Morty, slap him. Tell them that they're stupid and to go home. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, real quick, I'm going to jump on this. Uh, Baker asked, Brown is better than Megatron. I'm going to hop on. I'm doing this real quick, I promise. I promise it's going to be really quick. <laughs> yes, over the last two seasons, Antonio Brown has proven that he's a better quarter, a better wide receiver than Calvin Megatron Johnson. He has more catches. He's riding a 33-game streak which the last time somebody did this, it was only for, I believe, 15 or 16 games. And he has rode 33 games straight of five catches and at least 50 yards. That is the most consistent a wide receiver can ever get, at least five catches and 50 yards. He's had games where he's had over 100 yards, over 150. He's had touchdowns every single game, it seems like. I remember having him on fantasy and just blowing players out. This isn't about fantasy. He is more consistent. He's more dynamic than Calvin Johnson. He's not going to be able to jump over three players like Calvin Johnson does against the Bengals that we have that photo of and crap and snatch a a football out of the air while being triple covered. No, but Antonio's footwork, his playmaking ability, and his speed mixed with his his agility and route running is bar none the best in the NFL. He's proven it over the last two seasons. He has more catches than Calvin. He has better yards than Calvin. He has about the same amount of touchdowns as Calvin Johnson. He has proven himself to be the number one wide receiver in the NFL. That's my statement. That's it. I told you I'd do it fast. Um, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Kyle. Uh, oh. And it's not just to piss you off either. I'm sitting here looking at their stats right now, and I've got to hand it to still still hand it to Megatron. Now, if you're counting last year. Uh, specifically, and that's all you're looking at, then maybe not. But even still, on 13 games, 71 receptions, uh, 1,077 yards for a 15.2 average, eight touchdowns. Now, that's 13 games. Brown had 16 games, 129 receptions, 1,698 yards. That's crazy, by the way. I need to state that specifically. What's the what's crazy. the uh, record for most catches in a season? One thirty-two by Marvin Harrison, I believe, or is it one forty-three? Is it one forty-three? It, it's right in that ballpark. He, he's yeah. close. He was close he last season. He did this, and nobody's even talking about it. Now, the thing that I think is is important here is he has an average of thirteen point two. Now, over his career, he has an average of thirteen point five yards per reception. Megatron has 16.2, and it's pretty consistent. And we're looking at 15, 17, 14, 14, 17, right. 16, 17, right. and 15. You're looking at an extra three yards per catch here. Okay. Uh, you're looking at more touchdowns on okay, average. I'm not going over career anymore. I'm going over who's the best in the who's NFL Who's the best right, right, right now? now? Right now, uh, yes. Uh, so Calvin Johnson's historical record against Antonio Brown's not even close. Calvin Johnson's going to win that. I have right Fair. now in the NFL, after these past two seasons, I'm crowning Antonio Brown the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Calvin Johnson's still very good. He's still the second best receiver in the NFL. It's tough. Des Bryant's there. Julio Jones is forgotten about because of his injury. He's very, very good. But Antonio Brown deserves, after all of his stats that he's been putting up, to be crowned 
the best wide receiver in the NFL. That's my opinion. I'm going to disagree with you yet again, Kyle, and the reason okay. why is because the average over the last two years is 15.2 and 17.8. Calvin Johnson just doesn't see the same number of balls that Antonio Brown does, and that's because he's injured, and, and I, I think that's a fair point to make uh, mm -hmm. in favor of Antonio Brown is that yeah. Brown has played 16 games both seasons. Yeah, um, he's there. He shows up on game day. But that also being said is the touchdowns for the last two years is 13-8 and eight versus Calvin Johnson's 12-8 and eight despite missing three games last season and two games in 2013. So in less snaps, in less total receptions, they're still damn near tied on the touchdown end, and he's Calvin Johnson destroys him in the average side. Now, you're saying he's forced footballs, but clearly that's not the case because he has fewer receptions and his average is higher. In those situations where Matthew Stafford is under pressure, who is he throwing to? He's hoping and praying Calvin Johnson is getting going to be able to catch those footballs. We've seen it, the photo of him doing it in Dallas, catching over two defenders. Against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, he's catching it over three defenders. Antonio Brown isn't given those jump ball situations because he's not big enough. He is very fast. He's more than fast enough to outspeed defenders with his agility and route running. But it's not about the touchdowns for me. It's about consistent play. It's about being there. His yards are great. And the touchdowns, I get that, that that's the only argument that I see that can go against him is the touchdowns. I, I and and here's again where I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Okay. I think the the Steelers have Martavis Bryant. They have other guys around him. Calvin Johnson's the only guy there. And if you're a defense, you double. Golden you Tate triple. is a very good receiver. Come on, he is a phenomenal number two receiver. He's not good I, enough to be a number one. I'm gonna play. Good. I'm gonna play Daniel right here. But child, please. What? Child, please. No, Golden, Golden Tate's okay. Tate He's okay. He's a very good number two receiver. He's okay. Martavis Bryant's a borderline number one. He's okay. No, child, please, that. Martavis Bryant is not a number one. Are you we, kidding We me? are going to have a, a Steelers writer on here next week, and we're going to ask him this question, and I swear to you, he is absolutely going to say Martavis Bryant is the guy that's going to break out this season. And he's going to be a phenomenal wide receiver. I'm telling you, if I'm wrong, good sir, I will buy you a case of beer. Okay. I'm drinking to that. All right. That's fine. All right, guys. Well, sadly, <laughs> there's no more other comments because, man, I want to keep arguing with Kyle now. I would, yeah, exactly. OBJ, I would, baby. OBJ. No, I'm just joking. No. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, you're funny. But I want to thank everybody for coming on the podcast with us, for enjoying it with us, for rocking it out with us, asking us questions. Uh, you know, it's awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, oh, oh, we got one more. We got one more. Oh, fantastic. Thoughts on John Urschel replacing Ooh. either Jeremy Zuta at center or either Kalecio Semele Marshall Yonda at guard by next year. By Laser Lab. I by Laser Lab. Thank you, Laser Lab. Oh, we got another comment. Oh, look at this. It's rolling in now. Oh, well, fantastic, guys. Thank you. Oh, Finally. Martavis, Martavius had a great rookie season. Nothing is proven yet. Speaking as someone who had Golden Tate holding up their fantasy league for four weeks, he can be a number one. Fantasy's different than uh, regular football, though, so, you know. 
All right, but, all right, let's go but, back to the but, John Urschel but, one. I apologize. Back to, to Laser Lab's question. John Urschel, I could see him possibly replacing Zuta. Um, during OTAs, obviously, Zuta was out uh, with injury and just by not being there. Um, Urschel filled in nicely. Uh, there, there didn't seem to be really a whole lot of difference in terms of their style of play, in terms of what was lost. Um, it would take a little bit of time, I think, for that that comfort level to get there. And I think the Ravens uh, are, are, like I said earlier in the episode, are Super Bowl or bust right now. And you don't really want to disrupt any of that stuff. But by next year, it, it depends. It depends. Um, Zuta could be on the cut list. And, and let me, while we're, we're sitting here... Um, let me pull up his contract real quick to see what we're looking at. Uh, Jeremy Zuta, next season, he is on par to make uh, $4.2 million, and he's wow. going to count against the cap as $2.1 million. Um, if the Ravens designate him as a post-June 1st, the dead cap is only 700000 Holy cow. So the Ravens absolutely could cut him next season. Um, in order to get more cap to, to redo Flacco... To re-sign some of the other guys like Marshall Yonda, Kalechi Assembly at the same time, uh, sign Justin Tucker. Jeremy Zuta's not safe. Um, so you know who knows? Who knows? And uh, thank you for bringing that up, uh, Laser mm-hmm. Lab. That's something I'm going to pay attention to. I'm going to pay attention That's to Urshel. Great question. And That's uh, great question. in training camp and see what's going on. I uh, I don't like John Urschel as, as a center. That'd be great. He's a very intelligent person. If people haven't seen already, he is a mathematician, and he was teaching while he was playing football as a professor, pretty much. He is a phenomenal person, and you need a smart person to play center in the NFL. You yeah. need a smart football mind, and literally nobody in the NFL, I think, is smarter than John Urschel. Uh, I'm certainly not, so I can no, give no, you that. It's but insane. uh it's crazy smart. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh John Urschel for for again those that didn't know was actually just recently brought in by the NSA to teach mathematics to like whoever the hell the NSA employees. It's um, nuts. Yeah, the 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 dude's genius. Um and like Kyle said, it center's more smart over strong to be honest with you. And the reason why is because center is above everyone else, is the one that points out coverages. So those plays where you see a center pointing, that's him saying, this guy's coming in, this guy's blitzing, this is an open run lane, this is this is the gap that we need to focus on. He's telling all the other offensive linemen, all the wide receivers, he's telling everyone, the running in backs. In code, too. Exactly. In code, in code what's going on. And that's that's of, of vital importance. And we saw the Ravens try to go the smart route over strong um, before with Geno Gradkowski, and that that didn't obviously pan out. And because he just wasn't big enough at he, all. Yeah, it, it, there is a certain point where you need to be big enough in order to be able to mm-hmm. play. But uh, because they bullied him, yeah, because they knew so they could just shoot that gap right next to him. Absolutely. So all right. um, we got another one. If Flacco gets injured, who leads the team? Uh, and is that defense good enough to pull the team to the playoffs much like they did uh, in the 2000-2001 Super Bowl run? Um, we talked a little bit about it earlier on. If Flacco gets injured, this team Matt is Schaub, screwed. Matt totally going to lead us to success. That's what Matt Stevens is about to say, right? Maybe. What? 
You should know. It shouldn't even be a baby. It, it, oh. it depends. It depends. If, all if of a he gets he turns into his Pro Bowl self, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Remember. Trent Dilfer, and we just watched that game on Tuesday. Trent Dilfer was hitting everything but his wide receivers, Had and they the greatest still middle linebacker of all time on his defense with the tie law rule. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up, Kyle. They had Trent Dilfer, and we saw that game. That was an abysmal, abysmal effort by Trent Dilfer looking at that game. At the very least, Matt Schaub is as good as Trent Dilfer is. On his worst day, he's as good as Trent Dilfer is in that Super Bowl. Now, you did say that, obviously, the Ravens' defense, no one's touching that. That's sacred ground. That's above all else. This team is not that defense. I don't see it at the very least. We'll, we'll find out as the season gets on. Um, but... You can't ever compare it. So that's not that defense. I think he's better than Trent Dilfer is. And it depends on when Flacco gets hurt. If Flacco gets hurt week 14, week 15, when the Ravens are already in the playoffs, I think Schaub can get a little bit of time under his belt. I think he can go ahead and get a little bit of confidence doing the checkdowns, doing simple throws, and handing off the ball to Forsett and the rest of the running back crew. I think he can get enough confidence to go into the playoffs, make one or two plays. That's all you're asking of him. Make one or two plays, don't turn the ball over, and just hand it off to Forsett. And I think the Ravens have enough on defense to be able to march themselves through. If the Ravens can score 14, maybe 17, 18 points in that ballpark, I think the Ravens can go ahead and get it done with this defense. So... Schaub or not, I don't care who's in there. I think if you can make one or two plays, I think you have a shot. Okay. All right. Now I'm back to my reasonable self. All right. That was that was Mr. Hyde. I'm I'm back. Dr. Jekyll's here. <laughs> now. All right. Justin Tucker's leg mixed with Matt Schaub's checkdown ability plus the healthy defense, if we were to say that they were all healthy like they were in 2001 could be a formidable team in the playoffs. Boom. Like I said, Conversation over. I'm Matthew yep. wins. Woo! There, yep. Okay. My reasonable <laughs> brain is back, and I'll say it. Yes, Matt Schaub's check-down ability mixed with Justin Tucker's leg and a healthy defense. That's all. Like, three. They have to all three be there. The ball like, has to have... bounce properly. I will give you that one, Kyle. The ball yes. has to bounce the perfect way in order for this to work out, much yeah. like it did in 2000 to 2001. Yes, yes, very much so. All right, yeah. So I could say it's a possibility. It's a tough fucking possibility. Oh, excuse me. But, <laughs> I but have Kyle on record as saying Matt Schaub will lead us to a Super Bowl. It's recording. Uh, you don't get a, you don't get a pick and choose quotes. That's not how this works. <laughs> I do if I'm All Sal right. Palantonio. There you go. There you go. Sal Palantonio Stevens here. <laughs> All right, but that's our show. We've had a blast. We love it. We love like, you guys. Share, Thank you. Subscribe, comment, have a blast. You'll see us next week. Thank you very much. My name is Kyle Barber. His name is Matthew Stevens. If you love listening to us, continue. Thank you very much. Peace.